2: looking for is a generation of people who he can put on display, and when he puts them on display, they become so visibly obvious that they belong to this kingdom, that they are attracting people who pass by off of their regular, ordinary life into the kingdom of God because you have been put on display.
0: Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons for this week. I'm Paul Perot. Gabe will join us in just a moment. Last week, we heard a talk from Latasha Morrison about racial bridge building, and we had no way of knowing when we scheduled that show that racial tensions, protesting, and riots were going to be happening nationally. In the midst of all this, Christians have been engaging the topic, some in unproductive ways, but thankfully, many in ways that put them in the middle as bridge builders. We're going to focus on that this week. Back in August of 2014, St. Louis was in the grips of protests and riots following the death of Michael Brown at the hands of police. Captain Ron Johnson, an officer and an African-American, was forced into the middle. But he engaged the situation in a way that helped restore peace. He spoke at a Q event about his experience. Here's just a portion of that talk.
1: On the uh, 15th, I decided that we were going to put the officers along the entire street of West Forest where they could engage with the citizens. But on the 14th, when I left that press conference, and everybody said, what is your plan? And I can tell you, I had no plan. I only found out an hour ago that I would be in charge. (laughs) But as I left that press conference, I got in the car and there were two troopers in there with me and I began to pray and ask God to give me a plan. And there was a march that was taking place that day uh, by one of our ministers in our community. And I knew her very well. Her kids actually had spent the night over at my house mm-hmm. and are good friends with mine. And so I go to the march and I see her and I ask her, Can I march? And she says, No, I'd rather you not. And I chuckled in disbelief. And I said, Really? And she said, Really, I'd rather you not. But I think at that moment God was humbling me, saying, This is not going to be an easy task. Pull your chest in, everything's not gonna be this open door. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, I want to march in the back. I said, no one has to see me, and I'll venture off before we get to the end. And when I spoke those words to her, she said, you can march with us. I began to march down the street just to show people that we have to partner in this challenge that's going to make it better. But people started to come out and hug me and pray for me. And i tell you, in the midst of a lot of the name callings that went on, whenever people would pray for me, it would stop for that moment, it would stop. And so that to me was that changing point. And uh, faith has really uh, played a big role the way things ended. You, you did specifically say as a bridge builder, a, a peacemaker that, that there were folks really on both sides of this that were not understanding. You even said some people were considered to be a traitor in some ways. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? You know, I did a presentation uh, in Virginia last week, and when I put up my PowerPoint, I show my picture, and then I have the word traitor, courageous, or coward. And people, law enforcement saw me as a traitor. Uh, Some people in in the African-American community saw me as a traitor or coward. And some people said I was courageous. And I think people viewed my actions in different ways. But I think when you walk the middle of the road, it's probably the toughest road to walk. Uh, but I think that you have to be fair, and I think uh, you have to have compassion and those things. But I think in the end, people understood, because while people were angry that I walked down the street and I hugged people, you saw days later, policemen were hugging. Yeah. The community was hugging. And yes. so sometimes we have to lead by example. And, you know, even at our press conferences and our briefings, I started them off with prayer. And at first it was awkward for those that participated. But then they began, I looked around, and you start seeing lips move, and they start praying themselves.
0: Now, that was just a portion of the talk with Ron Johnson. You can hear the rest of it at the Q Media platform at qideas.org. We want to spend the rest of our time this week thinking not just about being different, being in the middle to bring healing, but why. Why? And with that, we're going back to Q2018 to a talk from Dr. Tony Evans, who, thanks to his radio show, The Alternative, and numerous books many of you already know. Now, Gabe, you've known Tony for many years.
3: What I love about him is he's been the senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, for over 40 years. And I remember growing up in the 80s in my church, Tony Evans was one of those pastors that would come through at least once a year, and he would speak, and we would love it and enjoy it. Well, now as I'm older, it was so fun to have him at the Q Conference, a man who's lived a great life, who's finishing well in his ministry journey, who's continuing like he's a 20-year-old, and the types of projects he's taking on, the things that he's involved in as he leads Something called The Urban Alternative, a national ministry that seeks to restore hope and transform lives through the proclamation and application of the Word of God. He's on the radio every day on a show called The Alternative that goes out to nearly 1,000 radio outlets in the U.S. and over 130 countries. So he's It's just this understanding of the kingdom and what it ought to look like. What is that supposed to look like today? What does it mean for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? And so he just came and spoke to us. And he just spoke from his heart like a pastor and encouraged us and and gave a great illustration related to sports and football, something that I know in his family has been a sport that his son played and has just been a part of their life. And he used that to just help make something really clear to all of us. So let's start off with that. And listen in now to Tony Evans on Kingdom Virtues.
2: I appreciate the invitation to be with you. It was short and sweet. I got a call. They asked me if I believed in free speech. I said, yes. They said, come give one. So I'm honored to be able to be with you today. My son played one year for the Tennessee Titans. My youngest son, Jonathan, every year, Three teams take a football field. There is the visiting team and the home team, which means there's going to be a clash for three hours. That is a non-negotiable clash because they're different goals. One team is going this way, another team is going that way. For three hours, they're going to be in conflict. That's why this third team is so critical. It's called the team of officials. These are seven officials who are on the field, but they're not of the field. They're in the middle of the conflict, but they're not part of the conflict because they belong to a different kingdom. They belong to 345 Park Avenue in New York. Because at 345 Park Avenue in New York, that's where the NFL offices are. And their job is to represent the office up there in the conflict down here, so the conflict down here is managed because they are representatives of the office up there. Each one of these uh, officials have been handed a book. This book gives the governing guidelines by which all decisions are to be made on the field of play. Their personal opinions, their personal uh, inclinations must be subject to that book. Who they prefer to win becomes uh, moot, because their job is to make the decisions on the field, by the book, because of the kingdom in New York that they represent. Now, they understand sometimes they're going to be booed. They understand sometimes they're going to be cheered. But they also understand they're not there for a popularity contest, They're there to make decisions on the field based on the kingdom that they represent predicated on the book that they have received. When they do that, those seven people understand that they do that with kingdom authority. Because they understand that even though they're outnumbered, there are 22 players on the field at any given time, 11 on both sides of the ball. But they understand even though the players are younger, stronger, and faster, and even though they're older, slower, and fatter, they understand that while the players can knock you down, the refs can put you out because they carry kingdom authority with them. What God has designed is for there to be a group of people in history amidst all the cultural chaos and conflicts, whether racial or social or gender-based or political, but there would be in these clashes that take place in the culture a group of men and women who would represent the kingdom up there in the chaos down here. Now, the referees don't solve the problem that there's a conflict on the field. But what they do is they bring order to the madness because they represent up there, down here, based on the authority of the book that they have received. Unfortunately, today, we're living in a day when there are a generation of Christians in every discipline of life who do not understand that they've been put here for a kingdom purpose. And as a result, they do not live out comprehensively the rule of God over every area of life, what we call the kingdom agenda, which is the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. And unfortunately, this Christian community bifurcates life. And so they will be spiritual in this area while this other area over here belongs to the culture, not understanding that the whole concept of God's kingdom is his rule over every area of life. One verse that I love is uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 36, which is a summary of a kingdom verse. It says, and David, after he had served the purposes of God, fell asleep. And David, after he had served the purposes of God, fell asleep. Your role in whatever sphere you are operating in is to serve the purposes of God before you fall asleep, before this life ends. I remember the story of uh, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron went up to the plate, and uh, it was time for him to bat, and it was a preseason game. Yogi Berra was the catcher. And it's the job of a catcher to irritate and frustrate and distract the batter. So Yogi Berra was talking a lot of noise to Hank Aaron as he came up to the plate. You can't hit, your mama can't hit, big man, little stick. He started talking a lot of noise to distract him. So finally, Yogi Berra said, well, Hank, uh, the insignia on the bat is turned the wrong way. If you know baseball, you're supposed to turn the insignia to face the batter, the writing on the bat. So to distract him, he said, you don't have the insignia, the writing on the bat turned the right way. But Hank Aaron ignored him and kept looking at the pitcher. The next pitch that came across the plate, Hank Aaron hit it over the fence for a center field home run. He ran around first, ran around second, came the third, touched home plate. Halfway uh, going back to the dugout, Hank Aaron stopped. He looked back at Yogi Berra. He said, hey, Yogi, you just might want to know, I ain't come here to read. See, you need to know why you're here. Because if you don't know why you're here, there are a lot of voices that will distract you. In the media, in the culture, in educational institutions, it says David served the purposes of God. The purpose that you are here in whatever discipline you are engaged in is not first of all for position or for prosperity or for uh, many of the other things that the culture offers you. They all play a part, but you have been sent here to advance the kingdom of God in that specific sphere where you are operating. In the same way, appliances in your home are there for a purpose. The refrigerator keeps things cold and the stove makes things hot because while they're all appliances, they have different roles in your kitchen that are designed to be fulfilled. The refrigerator doesn't cook and the stove doesn't keep it cold because that's not its purpose. But when it fulfills its purpose, it's fulfilling its divine design. So the question every Christian has to ask is, am I serving, as David was, the purposes of God. Now, my favorite place to go when I'm not at home in Dallas is New York. I love New York. I love the nonstop life of New York. I love the lights. I love the cuisine. My wife likes New York, too, uh, especially Fifth Avenue. She likes Fifth Avenue because that's where all the fancy stores are. That's where, you know, her favorite store is Saks Fifth Avenue. Now, Saks Fifth Avenue has all these fancy windows, all these fancy windows. And around Christmas, you go around there, there lines around the store just to see all the fancy things in the window. You go during the regular part of the year and they have mannequins. These mannequins, better known as dummies, are in the window and they're on display. These are good-looking dummies. These are well-dressed dummies. These are bling-bling dummies. They are some good-looking dummies in the window. Why do the owners of Saks put dummies in the window? Because they know that dummies like us walking up Fifth Avenue that they want to attract. So they put these dummies in the window and the job of the dummy is to draw us off the street into the kingdom called sex where there's floor after floor after floor after floor of so much more. What God is looking for is a generation of people who he can put on display, and when he puts them on display, they become so visibly obvious that they belong to this kingdom that they are attracting people who pass by off of their regular ordinary life into the kingdom of God because you have been put on display. Let me put it this way. If you're a doctor, you're not just a doctor. You're supposed to be God's representative in the medical field, so the medical field sees what God looks like when God helps hurting people. If you're a lawyer, you're not just a lawyer. You're God's representative in the bar association, so the bar association gets to see what God looks like when God tries a case. If you're a business person, you're not just a business person. You're God's representative in business, so the business world sees what God looks like when God cuts a deal. If you're a teacher, you're not just a teacher. You're God's representative in education, so the education world sees what God looks like when God? God teaches a lesson. The whole idea is to serve the purpose of God. And if you cannot identify how what you do advances God's name and God's kingdom, you are doing the wrong thing because everything God has established has been designed for that purpose. When Tony Dungy won the Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts during the playoffs, he would call me up and we would talk on the phone during the playoffs. And before each playoff game, we prayed together and he would say, he would say, okay, let's, let's just talk about uh, how God wants to use this game to advance his name. We finally get to the Super Bowl when they play the Chicago Bears. He said, I said, what's your prayer request is? you go into the Super Bowl? He says, my prayer request, win or lose, is that I will make his name great. Here is a man who understood that you do not separate coaching from the kingdom. And he was going to use that platform to advance the name of God, the rule of God in such a way that God gets the glory. So you are to serve the purpose of God. He says in Acts 13, 36, David served the purposes of God for this generation. In other words, he was to impact the world in which he lived. He was to impact the generation that he served. So the question, like in bowling, you know, you can look good as a bowler. Bowling is a lot fancier now than when I was growing up. Fancy bowling balls, fancier bowling bags, fancy bowling suits, you know, fancy bowling shoes. And, you know, you can look good. You know, you put your three fingers in the ball, you cock the ball, you come down the alley, you turn the wrist, you kick out the leg. You can look amazing as a bowler. But if that ball is rolling down the gutter, you ain't done nothing. You're a good-looking failure, okay? (laughs) In other words, God measures you by your impact, not by your style. He doesn't measure you by the house you live in, the clothes you wear, and the car you drive. He wants to know what impact are you making. And if the pins are still standing, you have failed no matter how good you look as a bowler. And if you can't show how God has used your education, your knowledge, your prowess, your ability to impact this world, then you have Failed and why God has left you here. You're like referees on the field who are not making the right calls, adding to chaos. The reason we have all this chaos in our culture is because God's people are not living out kingdom virtues in every area of their lives. They become part-time Christians rather than full-time saints because they bifurcate what happens on Sunday from the impact they expect to make on Monday. And once you do that, everybody else is coming out the closet. You might as well come out too. It's time now for there to be visible, verbal followers of Jesus Christ in every discipline of life an impact. You know when the Titanic sank, 1500 people lost their lives. 1500 people should not have died because most of the lifeboats were only half filled. But because they were saved and safe, they wouldn't turn around for folks who are drowning and dying. Yes, we want you to be successful. We want your careers to be productive. But if you're not turning around and making an impact in the lives of people who are dying and drowning in the lives of a culture that's dying and drowning just because you have been delivered and you have been successful, then you have missed the point of living out the kingdom. It says that David served the purposes of God in his generation. Some people say, "Well, how do I know my purpose? Well, all you have to do is go to the mix master to find your purpose. A mix master is where highways cross each other, and you come to this centerpiece of gathering. so your mixed master of purpose will one always include your passion. It's something that you're burning to do. It will also include your experiences, good, bad, and ugly. God doesn't waste any of them. And when you take the good, the positive, the bad, the mistakes you've made, the ugly, things that have hurt you coming from elsewhere, and you mix them together in God's blender, he uses those things to establish purpose. Then there is your personality. Everybody doesn't have the same personality. So it's your passion, it is your experiences, it's your personality, and then it's your giftedness, the skill set that God has given every person the ability to do. He puts all that together and then he accents it with opportunity. And when you hit that mixed master, you've hit the purpose, you've hit the sweet spot of how God wants to use you to advance his name and advance his calling in history. The final statement of that verse, and David served the purposes of God for the benefit of his generation. And then it says, and then he fell asleep. You are not in the land of the living on your way to the land of the dying. You are in the world of the dying on your way to the land of the living. So the question you have to ask is, not only what I have, but what am I forwarding ahead? So since he, uh, he fell asleep, uh, let's just take the law of averages. If you want to know what the law of averages are, just take whatever age you are, if you are female, and deduct it from uh, 82. If you are male, take whatever age you have and deduct it from 79. Those are the general ages in America where men and women live. Then you multiply that number of years by 365 days, and that tells you how many days you can expect to live based on the law of averages in America. Then you cut up slips of paper that accumulate to that many days, and you throw one piece of paper away a day and watch it shrink. Well, watching that shrink lets you see that life is ebbing away. So the question you have to ask is, as I live each day and life is ebbing away on this side of eternity, what difference am I making? Or am I losing days in light of the life that is to come? Because the life you have now is not the ultimate life that you will have. This is a temporary existence that we've been put here for a temporary purpose with the goal of having an eternal impact. Now, I was raised in Baltimore, Maryland. I was raised in in the hood, so to speak. So I didn't get to own property. That's why I used to love playing Monopoly. I used to love playing Monopoly because that was the only time in, in the hood I got to own some land. And so, and so I would always look for the Boardwalk and Park Avenue because that's where the big money was on the board. Now, if you came past me, you better hurry up and pass me and pass go and collect another two hundred dollars because I don't give loans. I mean, I'm a. Uh, that's where my trumpistic tendencies rose when I played Monopoly. Okay, but I was always sad when Monopoly ended it because I had to put the cards back. I had to put the land back. I had to put the dice back. I had to put the money back and then they closed the box. It was all over. One day they're going to close the box on you. And when they close the box on you, the issue will not be for you what you left behind. The issue for you will be what you forwarded ahead. And if you haven't forwarded ahead anything that God could use, if you haven't forwarded ahead anything that has of eternal value, if you haven't forwarded ahead the impact that you have made, then you have failed in your life no matter what your bank statement is, no matter what the scope of knowledge of your name happens to be, you will have failed because David served the purposes of God. And when he served the purposes of God, he impacted his generation. And when he impacted his generation, it says, then he fell asleep. And when this life is over, the question you want to know is, what difference did you make? So now the question is, What kind of Christian are you going to be and what kind of impact are you going to make? A man one day was driving his bride. He was driving her on their honeymoon. They were going on their honeymoon. He pulled out in front of a car uh, and then an oncoming van hit him. It was a head-on collision. It flipped his car over. Both were knocked unconscious. He came conscious first. He saw his bride dripping with blood. He rushed over. He picked her up, but he was on an isolated road. What was he going to do? She was going to bleed out and die. But he saw a sign. It said, doctor, office of Dr. Bill Jones. He took her up, swept her up, went and knocked on the door. An old man came to the door. He said, What can I do? He said, She's dying. She's dying. She's dying. Save her. He says, I'm sorry, son. I don't do that anymore. The young man said, Mister, you have two choices. He says, Either take down the sign or heal my wife. But if you're not going to heal her, Don't put the sign up and give the impression that this is what you do. So don't call yourself a Christian. Don't call yourself a follower of Christ unless you're willing to do the work of the kingdom. If you're not willing to do the work, take down the sign. But if you're going to have the sign, let's do the work. Let's go public and let it be known. I represent up there, down here, as a representative of the kingdom of God. God bless you. Thank you for having me.
3: Couldn't you just kind of feel the energy as you listen to Tony share from his heart passionately and you could kind of sense in the room people were responding. People were enjoying just hearing from a pastor who's such a gifted communicator. Encourage us. And and one of the moments that I just thought was so so cool was when he said this. It's It's a little bit long, but I just want to repeat it. I think it's worth it. What God is looking for is a generation of people who He can put on display. And when He puts them on display, they become so visibly obvious that they belong to His kingdom, that they are attracting others who pass by off of their ordinary life into the kingdom of God because you have been put on display. It was just kind of this encouragement that, look, God's going to be working through you. And when you submit and sacrifice and and give your life, your passions, your talents, everything He's called you to do, and you're doing it for His purposes People walk by and they stop and they look and they, they linger because they see something different
0: they're not used to seeing. Yeah, I'm Gabe, right now, that is so important. Hey, before we close, just a reminder that we have a lot of talks and resources at QIdeas.org on the Q Media platform. So if you're looking for a different way to engage the issue of our ethnic tensions and help to foster healing, yeah, it's there. So learn more and subscribe at QIdeas.org to our Q Media platform.
3: I hope you have a great week. I hope you keep living this out at your kingdom outpost. I hope you're encouraged by Tony Evans today. And with a smile on your face, I hope you'll go encourage others around you as you continue to do that great work. And stay curious, think well, and advance good.